Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Even with what I'm doing with my new facilities, it's going to allow me to do better by my employees, do better by the environment, produce more on the land without, with, while still making the land better. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today from TDF Honest Farming, Derek Josie. I think it's TDF stands for Telemuk Dairy Farmer. Telemuk, yep. yeah. And that's an area as well as a brand, I guess. So it could be confusing if you're not an Oregonian. Yeah. Oregonian or Oregonite? What is it? Oregonian. Oh, boy. It's too much to keep up with. I can't do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you're a, you're, you're, you're a, a dairy farmer, I guess. Is that is that how you would describe yeah. yourself? Yeah, I would describe myself as a dairy farmer. Okay. I mean, we grow crops too, but mm. that's... I mean, the cows are what pay the bills, so right. Um, Got to take care of those ladies. Yeah, tell me a little bit about how you got into it. Um, is it a family thing? And then tell tell me a bit about your farm and what it is you do there exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I am fourth generation on this property. So yeah, you could say I was born into it. Um, we started off with 60 acres, 60 cows. Um, we're a little larger than that. We're in the process of building all new facilities. We're going to be milking 1,200 cows. We run about 400 acres. Um, pristine, beautiful area. I mean, I'm blessed with where I live. We don't get as hot as you do in Texas. I think yeah. our average temperature in the summer is in the mid-70s. So, um, and I'm part of the Tilma co-op and, and some of your listeners probably know that brand, any of the <clears throat> dairy products from that brand could have come from my, my cows. Oh yeah. I've, I'm sure so, I've eaten some of your cheese before. Um, yeah. And, and our ice cream is phenomenal. Yeah, it I is, mean, I know you're from good. the Bell state, but it's, it's hard. Well, to I, I'm not from Texas, so I'm not particularly one of those or the other, but when I lived in, uh, in the Bay area, in California was really oh, yeah. very popular there. Uh, and actually when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, it's super popular out there as well. Surprisingly, because quite a few cows in that area. Um, but you know, a lot of cows. Yeah. Wisconsin's a weird place. They're, uh, <clears throat> like some people's, some States you go into a grocery store and they have a whole aisle of whatever that state's known for. And in Wisconsin, it's cheese. It's like 7,000 different oh, types geez. of cheese. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you said sixth generation, right? Sixth generation? Fourth. Fourth. Fourth, We've been on this property for 104 years now on this farm. That's incredible. So um, 
this show is, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of political shows out there. I've been, I've been on quite a few of them. I've, uh, I've hosted one of them. Um, and it just kind of like, I kind of got mired in all of the complaining. It's just constant complaining without a whole lot of solutions. So I, I pivoted over to this, the citizen for solutions. And I, I just wanted to say it up front because we're going to talk about some problems today. Um, yeah. but I want to, I want to focus our responses on, on ways that, you know, like it's obvious how, how a dairy farmer can have an impact, but I want to bring it back down to how the people that are listening to this can also have an impact. So, um, let's start with, everybody knows about what's going on in, um, Sri Lanka and Holland, I believe at this point with, uh, you know, the, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope they would know what's going on. A lot of people stay uh, oblivious to what's going on. Yeah, uh, but, with all the ES, with all the ESG stuff and the the very bizarre, the, bizarre. the very bizarre uh, uh, push towards green energy, which is uh, you know it's it's definitely political and not scientific. Um, but yeah, definitely. Just from your perspective, let, let's start with the U.S. Though, what's going on in the farming industry in the United States? Uh, a lot of the same stuff. There's this huge uh, climate uh, debate going on. And for some reason, cows seem to be the focal point and the blame for everything, according to all the experts, even though all the scientific data states and shows that cows aren't contributing to any of that. I mean, they obviously add methane to the mm-hmm atmosphere and things like that but methane is on a cycle so every 12 years the methane that's gone up has broken down and come back into the soil so cows aren't contributing to anything it's a natural cycle um so there's a lot of talk of ways to you know cut back on methane and uh you should stop eating beef for the environment when it's not scientific like you said um and you're taking one of the most nutrient dense foods known to man that you can survive on. Mm. And you're trying to talk people into not consuming it anymore and going to, you know, this plant-based diet and <clears throat> vegan, which if you want to eat that way, good for you. No, thank you. From my point of view, I enjoy uh, steak and uh, cheeseburgers way too much to do that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it all feels a little, um, considering the uh, people like Bill Gates, for example, buying up thousands of acres of a very usable farmland and then not just, not just a billionaire in America, but, um, Chinese state owned companies buying farmland in America. That seems like something we should probably pay attention to. And it, and it all feels like with all the cricket nonsense and WEF, you'll own nothing and, yeah. and be happy. It's, it feels be a happy. lot. It feels a lot like, yeah. uh, the, like the Go middle, ahead. the middle ages in England where it's like the King's deer, right? Like deer belongs to the Royal family. And if you get caught hunting or eating it, now you're in trouble. It kind of feels yeah. like we're going back there again. Right. 
Like I, I basically, if, if the government is telling yeah, me not to do point. something, I, I want to do it more. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. And, um, you know, I don't focus, I don't like Bill Gates. I don't like a lot of the problems, but honestly, I, from what I see with him buying farmland, it's more a rich person buying land, um, to use, uh, cause they're still farming the land, but he's going to use it for the carbon credits. They'll, they'll force whoever's actually farming the land to do it in the way they want it done so that they can claim that their large companies are doing right by the environment when honestly they're not doing anything that farmers haven't done forever uh the thing china worries me though when they buy like smithfield foods Mm -hmm. one of the largest pork packing uh companies in the country i don't know how the government allows them to do that it's it's worrisome when that kind of thing happens. And I don't think that our government is doing right by its own people, allowing an outside foreign government or entity to mm. own something like that. I mean, I, it, to me, it's problematic that the Chinese state would be able to own land or property or whatever in this country at all, but farmland or meatpacking facilities, like why we've already made the mistake of allowing uh, our, our, our primary source of microprocessors, right, is Taiwan. Right. And China yeah. completely dominates that area. We are completely dependent on China for those things. And the <laughs> subjugating ourselves to the whims of OPEC and Russian oil by shutting down our own uh, you know, fossil fuels here in the United States had an immediate impact. Like we did it. And as soon as, as soon as that stuff was solidified, gas prices started to rise and now we're in a oh, bind. Absolutely. Now, why would we do that with food as well? I mean, it's, there's a, there's a point where it seems like it's almost intentional. Like they're trying to, to jack us up here. Yeah. You know, you always reference Hamlet's razor and mm. at, at some point you go, God, they can't, they literally can't be this stupid. They, I, I can't buy it anymore. And it goes, it goes back to on a episode of the citizen, not of the citizen, but on the American podcast, Mm. before you rolled it into this one, you were talking about all the fires and stuff. I did a deep dive on that. The mass vast majority of those are probably just, well, a lot of these facilities are old and Mm -hmm. they catch fire. We had one in Oregon that did the same thing. Um, That's one of those conspiracies I can brush off because i am in the industry and i understand that but one or two of them yeah like the airplane laying flat crashing that's just weird Mm. but i don't buy into that one because most of these food companies the major ones they're at the wef conferences they're doing this stuff if they want to shut down a factory they're just going to shut it down Mm. unless unless they're going to catch uh you know get some insurance money can't prove that one yeah tough um so we see all that going on we see major uh so so i mean regardless of if there's intended malice or not uh major corporations and the state getting involved in the manufacturing of sustenance is a big problem i think i mean they 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 don't really do anything well so 
even no, they e- definitely don't. Even if they're all their cards are on the table and they're playing the game the right way, they're still probably gonna fuck it up. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, a good point of that they're gonna f it up is the baby food formula shortage. That we was, had plenty we, of baby we, food. We and we created that crisis completely unnecessarily. Yeah, absolutely. Between the uh, shutdown of a mm. factory and the fact that we couldn't bring anything in from Canada or Europe because of a minor difference in packaging labels. Yeah. I, I mean, that is government ineptitude at its finest. It's the exact same formula, but it's got a different label. And so, oh, we can't bring it in. Mm. So, you know, you're you're on the ground level here. As it, your, your website says, most American families are a couple of generations removed from having to provide their own food basically is, is the summary. Yeah. There. So um, since people aren't really doing that anymore uh, and between like, I, I think having people like you and the millennial farmer on our show to show that there's still small ish family owned businesses that are producing most of this food. It's not like everybody, mm-hmm. everybody thinks of conglomerate corporations are doing it. No, the farmers and, and ranchers are still doing most of the actual work. What can the average person at home do to combat some of this stuff? Well, they can they can stop buying into the marketing BS. You don't have to go in and buy the most expensive product. Uh, you can reach out to local farms. Um, there's there's one of the good things about that. One of the good things quotations of COVID was the fact that a lot of people were like, you know what, we need to actually get back in t- touch with our local farm and ranchers and start buying local again and you're seeing our low people started going out and contracting with local ranchers or farmers to get a half a beef or Mm. order a lamb or a pig and so that's the easiest way because you're cutting out the middleman. Mm-hmm. You can also look for uh, companies like, I, I hate to throw it out there, but Tillamook. Mm-hmm. It's a farmer owned co op. We, the farmers, I, I don't the think Tillamook anybody area, knows that. I don't think anybody knows that that's the case. So they see Tillamook, and because it's everywhere, they think that it's a big company somewhere with a CEO that's, you know, flying. Well, it is. I mean, we, but it is still owned by the farmers in the Tillamook area. Right. Uh, a lot of dairy companies are that way. Like Lando Lakes is also one. Um, if you're in the Northeast and you're buying Cabot, you should be buying Tillamook, but we're not very big in the Northeast yet. That is owned by a farmer-owned co-op. Um, so there's ways, even in the grocery store, if you look for products that are from companies that aren't owned by the seven major companies that own basically the whole food supply system that's one way of helping because you're cutting out a lot of the middle where most of the money's going mm-hmm. um but one of the main things if, if you're in a city or a suburbs you're literally an hour or two hours away from a farmer that is doing direct to consumer and the easiest way to expand that is to flood him or her with orders so that more farmers are like oh 
this is a viable option <laughs> because farmers are conditioned to think that we have to, oh, we have to go the traditional mm -hmm. route too. I mean, uh, Zach, millennial farmer, mm -hmm. they sell just to a grain elevator and it goes wherever. So helping local to you is the easiest way to keep farming viable. Um, you said there's uh, seven companies that own most of the food supply. What, what companies are those? Oh, gosh, I shared this a while ago, and it could be six. I could be wrong, but it's like, um, oh, God, I'd have to look it up. But it, I shared a graph, and it just shows that it's they own all these brands. And one of them's like Pepsi owns mm. everything, and Coke owns a whole nother section. And Nestle is a big Mar one. Too. Nestle, yeah, Nestle's a huge one. And you just see it's like a spider web, and they own all these brands. So even though you're in the store and you have your favorite brand, it's owned by one corporation. And so they make you think you have the choice in the store when it's all owned by the same companies and that's that's one of the things we've learned at Tillamook is you know it's hard to expand we're huge we're in 70 percent of uh households in the pacific northwest uh on the east side we're at two percent because it's just so hard to grow to scale and have people recognize you as a brand that's different yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, so here are the I'm, I'm looking at a chart here um, of the top 10 companies that own multiple brands inside the food supply. So Nestle, mm -hmm. Pep, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Unilever, for some reason, uh, who I believe started out making soap and cleaning supplies, um, General mm -hmm. Mills, Kellogg, Mars, Associated British Foods, who I believe produces the most popular baby formula on earth, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, Ma so. Mondelez or Mondelez, how, however you say it. So those companies, uh, I, I guess what, <clears throat> and I, I used to, um, when I lived in the Bay Area, I don't know if they do it here in Texas, but when I lived in the Bay Area, I was in a beef co-op and a, and a farm co-op. So once a week, I would get a basket of vegetables, right. That came from a local mm -hmm. farm. And then, um, once I think it was once a quarter, I would get uh, a quarter. So me and three other families basically split uh, a, a side of beef. So I'll get a quarter side of beef, uh, every quarter as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if, and uh, it's not sure. I don't know if they do it everywhere, but so Oregon, Washington and Oregon, they have those pretty ubiquitously, uh, Northern California, oh, yeah. not so much in Southern California, but I don't know that that, type of thing has really made its way to the middle of the country yet even if it hasn't there is ways to do it online now which is the beauty of online because you can find um companies mm. that are they'll ship it right to your door and it doesn't have to be one of these big you know these food companies that'll prepare it all for you no find a rancher that's uh, Seven Brothers Farms is one that comes to mind. Um, they they ship all over. It's it's a great way to help keep individual farmers in business. Yeah, we've got a couple of friends that do it as well. Mountain Primal in Colorado. Yes, uh, yes. that's a good one. Uh, here in in uh, Central Texas, uh, Iron Table Wagyu is a is a company my buddy owns. Um, they are really good, but Wagyu is a little bit more 
Um, I mean, it's obviously more expensive, but it's also the reason it's more expensive is because there's less quantity of it. But if you're looking to buy bulk meats and stuff like that, a company like Mountain Primal is a good one to use. Exactly. Because they'll ship pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, mm-hmm. Unless there's some, I, I don't know that if there is any kind of regulation on shipping beef so far. As I, I don't know. think there is, but, but I'm sure they'll come up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of your, one of the other things you said was um, that buying more from local farmers and using more of the D to C or direct to consumer model as the consumer, like you're, you're essentially investing in the kind of world you want to live in. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, to, absolutely. Are. To me, it's a good analog for federalism, for small government, isolated power at the lowest possible level, because it's going to be really hard to to tell some corporate farm to not use Monsanto products, right? Because Roundup is now in eighty percent of people's urine in America. That's a new study that came out last week. That's not great. Yeah, but but that's a that's a shady study. I I've looked into it a little bit. I mean, because I grow corn that is roundup ready um we spray the roundup on it when it's like three inches tall Mm. it's broken down and out of it and it's going in to feed cows so i mean there's a whole separation thing um roundup if you look into it or glyphosate which is what we're really talking about uh now that it's not owned by monsanto Mm. um is one of the safest uh pesticides herbicides that we've ever had able to be used as human uh farmers so that's a totally different topic um and monsanto gets i get it because they are or were before they got bought out were a huge corporation and you heard all the stories like you know they'd sue farmers for using their genetically (laughs) designed plants uh and i had to do a deep dive on this several years ago the only time only actual incident where that happened was when a farmer they found a farmer had like several hundred acres of their corn that he was growing and was going to use as seed stock so you can get generic corn on the market most farmers don't want to do that because you can get like our corn is designed for our area Mm. you can get uh, zach would tell you the same thing he's He's getting corn that is designed to do well with his soil type and his his climate. And so being able to have access to that kind of stuff is great. And you have other companies you can work with. The, the whole Agent Orange thing. Yeah, that that's a big black mark on any company that made that. And there was other companies that also did that. So... Well, I, I'm not I'm I'm less concerned about about stuff that happened uh, in in Vietnam and Korea. Vietnam, and yeah. More concerned with since 2015, uh, Monsanto and then Bayer, who bought them out, has had to pay about 10 billion dollars in lawsuits for giving people cancer like that. I, I, yeah, I don't feel like a company that large is settling for 10 billion dollars unless they're up to no good. Well, and yeah, you you could be right on that. Um, but uh, there is a large cohort study that was done with farmers and I mean we're around the chemicals all the time mm-hmm. and we had less cancers happening 
since the introduction of Roundup con compared to beforehand. Right. So, well, that just means the product that you were using before was even worse. Right? Was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah we've made yeah. we've made a lot of look. It's you don't always know. Oh, agree. Right. You, like you can't tell how something it, it, you can't expose people to something inorganically for. 20 years to see what the results are going to be before you put a product in the market. That's obviously unreasonable. Um, yeah. Well, and, and on top of that, just because it doesn't affect me, every human body is different. I mean, our yeah. DNA. So yeah. you can't out of the 7 billion people here. I mean, there's going to be people that are affected. That there's no way around. It. We're actually going to hit 8 billion people sometime uh, in the fall. So that's well, awesome. That'll make Elon Musk happy. Yeah. yeah, he's doing his part to contribute for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I like to look at some of the principles during these shows. Absolutely. Um, one of them is uh, I'll put more into this country than I take out of it. <clears throat> and it's uh, I don't know that it's entirely obvious to a lot of people how to account. Like for you, I, I feel like it's pretty – pretty obvious how you accomplish that right like you run a good business that provides food for people and you do it in a co-op and not a not not a corporate conglomerate no, that's that's responsible business owning that contributes to the fabric of american society uh yeah but even even on my side hmm. so we've been here 104 years our we've partnered with you know the government we used to have our cows in the streams and stuff. Mm -hmm. Now they're all fenced and we put water troughs in. So they're drinking in the pastures and not contaminating the rivers. And so our rivers in this county have never been as clean as they are now, or at least not dirtied by cows and mm -hmm. cow manure. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we get test results from the Wilson river, which is what are, where I'm at. And, 15 miles up in the mountains, there's a big swimming hole that a lot of people from Portland come to. And we're getting test results that are showing, you know, sunscreen and things like that in the water, but at least it's not cow manure. So right. that is one of the principles that I really, I was going to tell you that I like that one because, uh, you know, even with what I'm doing with my new facilities, it's going to allow me to do better by my employees mm do better by the environment produce more on the land without with, while still making the land better sure yeah so so that i'm able to feed more people without detrimentally affecting the environment this episode of citizen is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30% off when you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Uh, they've got weighted blankets. Now they have the best sheets, the best pillows. Uh, all of the mattresses are cooling mattresses. Very nice. Uh, especially if you're a big dumb sweaty guy like I am. Um, man, I don't know what I would do without these things. And as you know, I've been traveling with my pillow lately. Uh, I haven't had to explain it to anybody yet, but I am kind of I, I'm, I don't know if I'm dreading or looking forward to that moment where I have to explain to somebody who doesn't get it that, yeah, I brought my own pillow from home. Uh, but they're the best, so fuck them, right? 30% um, off everything 
If you use the code Drinking Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros, that includes all of their cooling mattresses, of which they have five, all of their pillows, sheets, weighted blankets, uh, the mattress protector, all of their items. And again, I just want to reiterate, if you're looking for a full bedroom suite, if you buy a mattress and an adjustable base, everything else you add to that order, 40% off. Now, the kicker for all that is 0% down, $0, or 0% financing, $0 down financing plan for up to 60 months. That's five years. You can get an entire bedroom suite and knock the whole cost down to like 35 or 40 bucks a month. You're not going to find a deal like this anywhere else. So go check it out. You know, Support these guys. They support us. Ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Uh, I promise you this, you will not be disappointed. Um, next up, we have BetterHelp. This is one we've been talking about a lot lately. Um, and I'm I'm really glad we picked these guys up because it's it, it, it's a lot like uh, the other telemedicine companies that you've seen that we've worked with in the past that actually provide medicine, but this is for therapy, right? Talk therapy. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp because we believe in the mission. Life is full of twists and turns. It's important to show up for yourself through all of it. And if you you know, are feeling like you need some help, and like most people on earth, especially here in America, you don't have the time to take off work, to go sit in a therapist's office, or to go through the whole process of finding a therapist in the first place. You don't have, maybe you just don't want to, right? Maybe you travel a lot and it's inconvenient for you. Maybe you got your kids during the day and you can't do it, but you can go into your room, turn on Zoom or turn on your phone and get the help that you need. So BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and they can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. I promise you, (laughs) just from my own personal experience with the VA, which I'm sure a lot of you have dealt with, or, you know, with, with, uh, 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 your insurance companies and things like that. 48 hours to, to actually get into an appointment and talk to a therapist is unheard of. So, you know, th- these things can be really helpful. Now it's not a crisis line. There's the nine eight eight number for that. Now that's, that's gone national. And that's a great thing. Uh, this is not self-help. It's, it's professional therapy done securely online available to people all over the world. So even if you're traveling, um, I know that's a, uh, a pain point for a lot of people. It's, it's, it produces a lot of anxiety to be in therapy and then have to go travel somewhere, whether it's, you know, domestically or internationally, and you feel like you can't get the help you need. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Uh, so you don't have to be on the camera if you don't want to, with, uh, it, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. I think we've all been through this process, right? Where you see a therapist and you, you just don't really vibe with that person or they don't really get what you're putting down or you don't feel comfortable. Um, if you go through the traditional medicine route, it's going to take you months to get into that process from, from getting the referral in the first place to, you know, navigating through a couple of different appointments, uh, that take time out of your day and inconvenience you greatly uh, just to find the right person. Here, with, uh, with BetterHelp, it's free and easy to change a therapist whenever you feel like it. It's more affordable, and tradi- uh, more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. So it's a great way to invest in yourself. Visit their website. Read their testimonials. Uh, there are a lot of them. There's, there's 
they, they have thousands of reviews. This is a legit company and they really want to help people. So they have a special office offer for my listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash citizen. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash citizen. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like I, I always warn people, um, <clears throat> one of my, one of my buds that we've had on the show a couple of times, Michael Schellenberger does a lot about the alarmist nonsense around environmentalism and, and how there's so much, uh, you know, half truths and propaganda, and then very frequently outright lies that are completely and are, are very easily disproved by basic science, right? That, uh, for example, yeah. for example, what you said about, so we did a study 90, 93 to 95, I believe it was. It was right before the Alberta beef thing. So I think that was in 95 to 97 is when that happened. So it was mm -hmm. 90, 93 to 95 about cow farts, methane, right? Going into the atmosphere yep. and what kind of, and it, the findings were exactly what you said. We're on like a 12 to 15 year cycle, depending on, you know, everything else that happens in methane, uh, uh, rises, comes back, affects stuff, but you know, that's how nature works. The more carbon dioxide there is, the more oxygen that will be produced by trees, so on and so forth. Like nature is pretty good at figuring shit out. It doesn't really need our help. Um, but <clears throat> besides all the nonsense that happens there, I do warn people, don't, don't let the fact that these people are trying to constantly lie to you, to control you, stop you from being a good steward of your environment. Super important and to be, to be responsible for your actions. And it's, it's like leave things better than what you found. It's the boy scout thing. Right. Uh, and especially if you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. I plan on, you know, another four generations mm. being viable on this property because <laughs> after four generations, they can deal with it. Not my problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want my great grandkids to be able to say, yeah, we've been here eight generations. We'll be here another eight eight mm. generations after this. Or, you know, by then a meteor comes and solves all, all our issues. <laughs> we are due for a uh, cataclysmic event at some point soon. Um, yeah, they <clears throat> say, oh, you know, off the West Coast, we're going to have that subduction zone. And the Tillamook area is basically a mudflat. So I'm just going to jiggle. It's going to become jello and I'm just going to sink in. So... I won't have anything to worry about after that. <laughs> um, can you, uh, this is more just for my own, um, just for my own, uh, edification, I suppose. But I see a lot of, a lot of people I know in the <clears throat> fitness and wellness industry talking about regenerative products. Can you tell me what that is and, and, and oh, whether I should pay any yeah. attention to that? Regenerative is a lot like organic was uh 10 years ago Every, organic is basically dead there's so many people doing organic that now they have to do something new to create marketing dollars mm -hmm. i'm regenerative zach is regenerative we every farmer i know is doing what they can to promote soil health to make sure once again that the next generation can take over. Nobody is 
I, I'm sure that I shouldn't say nobody. I'm sure there's some idiot out there somewhere that is destroying their own farm for, you know, a couple extra dollars. But the vast majority of us are regenerative because we want the next generation to be able to take over. You were not. The, the other thing is there's this we only have 30 harvests until the topsoil is gone. <sighs> that's such fear-based bs it just drives me insane my 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 topsoil is better now than it was five years ago because we understand that we have to incorporate organic matter back in Mm. um it's just regenerative is a great talking point Mm. but it's just that well organic uh began as as all these things seem to do uh, as kind of a grassroots kind of situation where people are like, all right, cool, let's get rid of some of these harmful pesticides and start using stuff that makes right. sense. But then somebody trademarked organic and started charging mm-hmm. people to come inspect their farm, for example, and they had to pay, you have to pay a licensing fee to get your, to be certified organic. That's a scam. That's not like, yeah. it's not like- well, it, it's not it's not real. There's nothing real about that. You know what it's I mean? not real. And and a lot of the times these organic guys, most people don't understand that they're still using chemicals. Yeah. They just have to be organic. So a lot of the times it's still safe as far as we know. But you could be getting an organic fertilizer that has to be shipped around the world for you to use. So how is that any better for the environment? I mean, I wrote a book where I explain about the bat ganu mm-hmm. that almost started wars with Europe. Um, they were there's caves in South America that are just full of bat poop, and Europe was having a problem with getting enough fertilizer, and so they they were ship after ship back in the day of this bat poop was being sent over and there was countries that were ready to go to war over it and then we came up with synthetic fertilizer there's actually a good documentary on this it's called ace ventura 2 when nature calls um uh i believe that's a documentary i can't remember but that that is i'm pretty sure yeah that was definitely documentary that is the premise of that whole movie though is that the the governor of whatever that uh african area was was some rich white dude that wanted a european white dude that wanted to like steal all the bat shit out of (laughs) out of that area because it's so uh valuable it's really interesting how that works i mean look i like politics i like to follow it and stuff um it's very interesting to me to see how human beings behave i guess that's why i like it like i don't like any politicians i think i've been pretty clear about that but uh yeah nobody uh, does no but it it is interesting to a degree evil that should be pruned as much as possible. Yeah, sure. And it's, it it is interesting to a degree, but when it starts getting involved in like education, shouldn't be political healthcare, shouldn't be political feeding ourselves should not be political. We should be looking for the best possible way to do those kind of things. Like if we want to talk Mm -hmm. about speed limits and term limits in office and how much money we're going to spend on internal and external defense, we can have conversations about that and come to some kind of consensus based on everybody's uh, involvement in the, in the conversation. But when it's about food, let's get some experts, let them set the policy and we'll use that policy. The end. Yeah. 
Yeah, but even in the, and this is what frustrates me about the agricultural community. And it, it, this is basically like all government. The further away from the farm you get, the worse the experts are. Because, for example, Farm Bureau, mm. it's a lobbying organization. My local chapter of Farm Bureau, I know everybody great. They're great for the county. The state, I know a lot of the state people. They're doing the best. You get up to the national level and they try. But if you have somebody from North Carolina representing, you know, most of the country, that's a completely different environment than Tillamook, Oregon. And so they're going to be making policy that makes sense for their area. But by God, it definitely doesn't make sense for here where I get 90 to 120 inches of rain a year. Right. So much like everything else farm policy should be started it should be at the local level mm. and then national level should be a lot less i uh, i mean certainly there i don't know how it works any other way there's a reason that you even even in um even in situations where there is strong central leadership whether it's a federal government or like let's say a division in the army that's in control of about 20,000 or so people, every layer below them is still given an extreme level of autonomy and authority to do what's necessary because you're the guy on the ground. You're the person closest to the situation that we've trained to handle that situation. And uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for, you know, someone in an entirely different region with entirely different experience to, to be in charge of that stuff. Right. So if all the farmers in Tillamook, for example, farmers and ranchers and, and dairy farmers in Tillamook are going to do their best to produce the best quality product that is sustainable because they want to continue making money, continue providing a good service and continue providing it into the future as long as possible. That is right. like, you're not going to get a better meritocracy than that from some dude across the country or in DC. It's just not going to happen, right? I know. And for some reason, we seem to think we should be taking it even another level up and making policy at the WEF or UN. And we see how that's working out in Sri Lanka and uh, what's going on in the Netherlands. We're going full circle now back to the original. Or Wales or Ireland, all those places where they are to meet these 2030 goals are cutting nitrogen or cutting back on animals in the case of Ireland or in Wales, they've dictated that farmers have to replant 10% of their property back into forest and trees to make these greenhouse gas reduction goals. And I don't know why this makes any sense to do when we're in the middle of a very dangerous time where develop the developing world is going hungry. Yeah. I mean, especially like any, any conflict that happens in Northern Europe, uh, uh, like seriously affects the food supply going into Africa because Ukraine and, and Russia provide about 20 combined about 21 or 22% of the world's wheat exports. Like it's untenable. You can't do that stuff. 
and 30, I think it's 30% of the potash, mm, yeah. which is a fertilizer, yep. you know, comes out of there. And while that doesn't necessarily affect our ability to get that, because most of ours comes out of Canada, mm. it still affects the price sure, yeah. are paying for it because yep. it is a global food supply. Okay. So, uh, on to the next one. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, not placing commerce above virtue. Now you run a business and I think uh, the farming industry is under attack globally right now. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's a, I don't think it's that necessarily that evil people are trying to attack farming. I think it's that weak and competent people who don't understand science are trying to, to do what they think is the right thing, but they're extremely misguided. But you have, um, you know, <clears throat> we, we, we've been talking about these stories since field of dreams. Right. And even before that, the, the, the individual farmer having trouble making ends meet because of all the bullshit that surrounds you. And one of the easy options is to sell out your stuff to, you know, go into a single source or whatever it is. How have you, and you're, I, so you guys have a co-op there. That's, it's almost like you formed your own local government to shield yourself from, from external influence. But I want to ask, uh, expand on that a little bit and then talk about how you've, you and your family have managed to avoid this. Well, yeah, we are a co-op and a lot of, a lot of co-ops, Tillamook is unique because we decided that the brand of Tillamook would only be able to be owned by the farmers in our local area. A lot of co-ops, as they get bigger, they expand out. And so that's one of the ways we've continued to control our own co-op, whereas a lot of farming co-ops end up just getting too big and losing touch with their membership. So we've gotten, and that would be, you know, my grandpa and my dad, when they, my dad was a, president of the board of directors for Tillamook uh, in the 90s. He was president for a while and I've taken, I've been on as an alternate. I was on for three years and so it's just staying active and making sure that, yeah, it's a billion dollar company, but you still have to make sure that the rudder is right and it is not steering off course mm -hmm. and it's a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that it's staying true to its founding principles, which were, you know, high quality products that people are going to want to eat and buy, taking care of its farmers, taking care of its employees that are, you know, without the employees making the cheese, making the ice cream. All I have is a bunch of milk that, I don't know, would go down the drain because I don't have anybody to take care of that product for me. Right. So it's, right. it's about making sure your principles and you're staying true to what <laughs> it's not just got to make money, got to make money. It's this money has to serve a purpose mm. to take care of everybody along the supply chain that makes the product work. Yeah. And from the consumer's perspective, which are, you know, the vast majority uh, of people are not milking cows. 
um, or slaughtering them or uh, farming in general. But, you know, what something you can very easily do is not buy products from Nestle and Pepsi and Coke and Unilever and Kellogg, Mars, Mondelez and, and other companies like that. And instead, buy company, buy from uh, uh, Tillamook or local farms or Cabot if you're in the Northeast. Um, down uh, there's in California, there's Neiman Ranch. They're pretty good. Um, <clears throat> you can look, you've got Google at your home. You can figure out who near you does this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I've seen some of the, some of the co-op companies on, have their own websites. But what I haven't seen is, uh, uh, something that's, that's national, right? Something that'll find a farm in your area for you. you and I, I mean? try, and so I do have a, I'm trying to build this and it's like farmers are stubborn. I have on my webpage and I've shared it on my socials where they fill out a form and I'm going to put it on my website so that if somebody wants to find a farm near them, they click on their state and they can find it. And I've been trying to do this for about a year now. And I've got like 150 farms mm. that have filled out the information. That's it. And it's just like, I know in every state there is, most likely hundreds of farms mm. that are doing this and yet it's like okay this is a free service i'm trying to help you guys out but you're not willing to take the time to take two minutes to put your information into the little boxes right <clears throat> yeah it's always tough to get i mean so i don't, I don't know if uh I don't know if the farming community is one that's super hip to this kind of technology you know what i mean so it might that might be a tough thing. I mean, I think, wait. Yeah, go ahead. I think um, the next generation is. Uh, right now, the average farm farmer that actually owns the farm is, I think, 62 years old now. So in the next 10 to 15 years, I think it's something like three quarters of the farmland in the United States will be passing on to the next generation mm. of farmers or the Mormon church mm -hmm. or Bill Gates. <laughs> Because Mormon Church owns a lot of land oh, yeah. too, a lot of land. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is a crucial time, and I think that's how a lot of the smaller to medium-sized farms are going to break away. Um, for example, in the dairy industry, I know of three different small dairies that are only milking, you know, fifty, a hundred cows that have done their own, they're doing their own bottling of their milk and they're selling direct to consumer. And it's because they didn't want to have to go the commercial route mm. and grow and get to the size that it makes it viable. Like we are, you know, I'm going to be milking 1200 cows just so I can afford to provide the lifestyle that I think my employees and myself deserve to have. That's, that's a lot of cows. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's going to be a lot of changes in the next 10 to 15 years. And I think it's going to, I'm optimistic that it's going to change in the correct way. And what do you see coming down the pipe for that? Um, like, I, I think it's a good idea for people who aren't necessarily in the industry to be aware of what 
you know, what innovations coming, what problems might be coming so they can be part of solutions, you know? I, I, I mean, the technology in farming, everybody still thinks uh, the old man with the pitchfork standing in front of the red barn. Uh, my new parlor, it's going to have a robot in there that assists. Uh, I have so much medical data for bed, no better term on each individual cow. They all have a Fitbit. They all have all the stuff, which allows me to take better care of my cow. And the technology is cheap enough now that smaller farms will be able to do the same. I see with the next generation, a lot more uh, online presence combating all the BS that we're seeing. I see a lot more direct to consumer. And once again, I think COVID had a lot to do with that because sure. And it's actually made the agricultural community as a whole more nimble. Mm -hmm. Because when they shut down all the restaurants and the bars and everything, that was that's about where 35 to 40% of all dairy and meat and ag products in general went into that pipeline. And all of a sudden, well, they had nowhere to go. And so we had to you know, these manufacturing plants have had to be a lot quicker at being able to switch to labels for in supermarkets, because if you don't have the correct label, you can't sell to a supermarket. So we're going to be a much more nimble system going forward. And God, I hope we're going away from just in time uh, manufacturing and supply chains, because that has just been a disaster all right. around. Well, I mean, we've seen it happen in media too, right? Right. It, it started happening before <clears throat> all these shutdowns and stuff, but particularly in mid to late 2020, when production houses started to shut down and networks and, and, and uh, theaters started to run out of content. Um, we, mm -hmm. we really, we, we were, we had already been shifting into a creator economy, but then it really kind of like, it really launched the, the individual's ability to produce their own product and put it directly in front of the consumer. And absolutely, that's a, that's an extremely good thing because all of the, have you ever heard the phrase that a camel is a horse designed by committee? Right. Cause it, <laughs> no, it's, but I, yeah, like it's all fucked up, right? That cows, that, that's not yeah. the way a horse is supposed to look. They it's like, what, what are these humps? Why is the neck so long? Um, but, uh, that's, that's like an architectural joke. It's like a, a, a cat or a yeah, camel is a horse designed by committee, but all those little touch points that people, like you were talking about earlier, the person in on the East coast, who's trying to set policy for your farm, for example, um, that has no idea what they're talking about. All those little touch points where people don't have the correct insight and experience to make good decisions there negatively affects the product in some way, whether it's media uh, and, and funny jokes getting cut out or woke nonsense making its way in or in farming, which is more important where you're not able to produce as high a quality product in the volume that you want to right? in the, as efficiently as you want to All right. the, the more of that, that gets eliminated in media and the production of products and government, the better for everybody typically. Right. And we're, we're heading in that direction now whether we want to or not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's full steam ahead. I mean, to your point in 20, 
21, my social, I, I'm huge on Facebook. I blew up on Facebook. I reached 217 million people with my videos. That's insane yep. for a farmer with no advertising. Mm. I reached more than most companies do with spending multi-million dollars. It's, it's, it's insane, but it is so good because people are able to learn and get a better understanding of what's going on on farm. Zach does the same thing with his videos mm -hmm. on YouTube. I mean, who I, I get comments all the time. I never realized how much I would care about cows and Tillamook until I started watching your videos. Mm -hmm. And same with, I, who cares about corn in Minnesota? Well, a lot of people do. And technology has allowed it to happen. And it, it makes it harder for the bad actors to get away with what they're doing because the, the media is not controlled. I mean, they're still trying to, but they're failing miserably. The, the harder they try and control something, that it seems like the quicker the fire goes. Yeah, that's a mistake. Um, that that's legacy media hasn't really caught up to the digital age still. Um, I don't think they ever will either. Maybe not. I mean, they're look. They they have no incentive to because that's what's replacing them. So I, I'm sure they're just fighting against it, but you know, even then you have to, you should be kind of aware and cognizant of what's going on around you and not be completely ignorant. Cause every, every time any kind of story, uh, is suppressed by the media on like, uh, the New York posted a, a thing about this last year, it typically gets like 40 to 60% more exposure than it would have if they had just let the story run that that's on average Exactly for, for bigger cases that involve celebrities or politicians and stuff. It's even, it's like 200% more exposure, but just in general, if it's some weird thing, it's somebody, it's the internet. Somebody at some point is going to re recognize it and put it on Twitter and then it's over, right? That you can't hide things anymore. I don't know why anybody's still trying to do that. Yeah. And, and if you are trying to hide it, they'll hack it and find it on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we've definitely seen that, uh, yeah. in the past week. Um, <laughs> maybe don't record yourself committing felonies. Um, but I'm that, not, that, that is a good place to start. I'm not an attorney. What do I know? Um, yeah. So common sense is lost. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, before we get out of here, um, <clears throat> you've, uh, uh, you know, given us a lot of good insight here from the perspective of the, of the farmer slash rancher. Um, what are you, what, if you had to share one thing with the, uh, with the American people about all the stuff that's going on and, you know, their role in making sure that all of this goes well, what, what would you say to them? I would say pay attention to what is going on in the Netherlands, in Wales, in Ireland, because everything that they're pushing over there, they are also trying to push on us. Um, and it's a good way for food prices which are already skyrocketing to get to the point where those that are least able to afford good food will be the ones eating bugs and not happy about it right 
Yeah, that's how it always happens, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's never it's never the ones making the policies, mm-hmm. the ex experts that are affected by their policies. It's the those least able to afford to live. Right. So that kind of goes into um, into uh, uh, protecting people, I guess. Right. So it's absolutely it's easy to think about yourself and your own problems. Um, It's easy to it's like life is tough a lot of times. Um, I, I, I just encourage people to look beyond what's immediately in front of you and think about how, how your actions and behavior affect other people, even if it doesn't seem like it might be negative, you know, those small price increases that aren't a big deal for you are definitely a big deal for other people. And stop being so tribal Mm. (laughs) because, because that's one of the things I try and make sure I do on my social channels is I talk about policy. I don't care who's on, in office. If a policy is good for agriculture, I'm going to say it's good for mm-hmm. it. If it's not good for it, I'm going to explain why it's not good for it. And sometimes, for example, when we were doing all the tariffs on China, it wasn't really good for agriculture, but it was good for our country as a whole to try and bring some of that manufacturing back mm. to do the things that we needed to do to make our country more self-sufficient. So doing for the greater good is, yeah, okay. The tariffs suck. It's uh, causing issues with prices for farmers, but the mo- vast majority of farmers understood that in the long run, they were necessary. Right. Yeah. And we're going to face some more of that, uh, soon. So there's going to be a bit, well, not, not more, I guess, just sustained because there's going to be a bit more ASIC over the next two to three years here where, um, some tech companies are standing up microprocessor plants in the Midwest right now in Ohio and a couple other places. It's going to take some time to get those rolling, to get ourselves off the China tit, uh, for, for tech, for, for lack of a better phrase, but It'll, it's, but it's needed. Yeah, it's needed and it's coming, right? So we got to figure out ways to take care of each other while this shit's getting done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, great. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on today. It's very illuminating to hear some of this stuff from somebody that's actually on the ground because you hear a lot about of it, uh, a lot about it in the news here and in other countries. Um, and we know that the profit motive and power motive from the government level is, is a corrupting factor that people like you and Telemo co-op fight against on a regular basis. And it's, you know, uh, we appreciate what you do out there. I, I enjoy, uh, the cheese and milk and, and ice cream as well. So that helps. Yeah. You should try our cheese, your cream cheese. We just came out with it. Oh, really? Another shameless. Product. I don't, I don't know yeah. if it's available here in Texas. I'll have to check. I mean, we've definitely got Telemo products here. I'll have to check in the, yeah, I, the I'm H-E-B. pretty sure. H-E-B. Yeah, H-E-B carries pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, it kicks Philadelphia's ass. I mean, it is. there's no comparison. So Yeah, I'll definitely go grab some of that. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on today. Um, yeah, anytime. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, I am TDF Honest Farming on Facebook, Instagram, 
YouTube and at Derek Josie on Twitter. Great. All right. Thanks for coming. And I'm on LinkedIn too, but that's just a cesspool of bullshit. Yeah, LinkedIn is weird. I try not to. So weird. Try not to go on there. Uh, yeah. So, um, thanks for coming today. Thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.